Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. We've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. I want you to look and I wanna, uh, at 1 Samuel chapter two, and I wanna preach a message today called growing up. Look at somebody tell them, grow up. Yeah, we're growing up, something's happening. And I wanna talk to everybody in the room. I specifically wanna talk to our, our teenagers and our sons and daughters and all of the millennials. I'm not speaking down to you, I'm talking and speaking into you so you can grow up in the things of God because I believe you have a purpose. And as we're getting ready to discover in the word today that you are not the church that's coming, you are the church that's here. You are not the church of tomorrow, you are the church of today. And I believe the spirit of the Lord is expediting your generation to make a difference. Look at somebody near you right now, tell them this generation is going to make a difference. Yes. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. Very important words. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child Samuel ministered to the Lord. Before, the, before the Eli the priest, I'm sorry, that scripture tore me up all week long. He didn't minister to the people. He ministered to the Lord. Preachers, before you can ever, I'm going to get back to it in a minute. Just hang on. Before you can ever minister to the people, you first got to minister to the Lord. Verse 12, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Go back and say that thing again. I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to point something out later, but you need to see that. The sons of Eli were corrupt. These are priests. They were corrupt priests, and the Bible says of them they did not know the Lord. How can you be a priest and not know the Lord? And that bothered me until I flipped over to Matthew and remembered that Jesus said, there'll be people in the last day who say, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not work miracles in your name? And he will look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. This explains how you can do things for God but not know the God whom you're working for. Eli's sons were corrupt. They did not know the Lord, verse 13. And the priest custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all the flesh hook brought up. So they did in shallow to all the Israelites who came there. Look at this. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. And he would answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Look at this. Therefore, the sin of these priests, these young men, was very great before the Lord. For the people of Israel, the men of Israel, abhorred. They hated offering time because of what priests turned offering time into. Next verse. But Samuel, somebody say, but Samuel. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. 
Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe, and she brought it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. I love that. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. And then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And look at this verse. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew. Somebody say grew. The child Samuel grew before the Lord. Next verse. Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Y'all don't want me to read that, but it's in your Bible. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not take heed to the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. That's heavy, but it's real. And the child Samuel grew. Somebody say grew. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. And there's one other little verse over in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord, somebody say grew. And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel grew three times in that chapter and a half. Samuel, the Bible says, grew. And I want to talk about growing up. How many know God is not waiting on this generation? Um, God's not waiting. God's ready right now. You don't have to. There is no junior high Holy Ghost. There, there is no elementary Holy Ghost. There is one Holy Spirit, and whenever a man, a woman, a young lady, a young man, even a child surrenders and submits their life to God, God will take that surrendered heart and use it for his glory. Father, help me to teach and preach today. I pray today that my words would be like finely tuned arrows, finely sharpened, that are released under love and grace, but with anointing that pierce the heart, that stick in the mind, that this week families would be transformed by the word that you release today, oh God. I thank you for this house. I pray we'd always be a house that stewards this generation well. And I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that in this season and this time of swirl, when you're doing so much, so much is happening, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would raise up our sons and daughters, not to be church leaders down the road, but in our generation, their voice would make a difference, their testimony would make a difference, their life would wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness, and that they would see transformation in their life, in Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. This message has been in my heart this week. Um, I've been praying a lot for our sons and daughters. We have a little conference coming up here, a little conference, about 1,500 kids. Going to pack this place out in a couple of weeks, and it's going to be bananas. People are coming from all over the country. And, uh, and last year, Wild Ones was so transformational. The conference was just next level. And, and it was next level because many of you bought into the vision that Pastor Josh and Pastor Lisa have cast here. And, they, and, and you prayed for these sons and daughters. You prayed for this young generation. God answered our prayers. And how many know he's going to answer our prayers 
in the next couple of weeks as this conference comes around. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. It's going to be transformational. It's going to be powerful. And I've been praying for that, and, and, and something powerful has been happening in our church leading up to that. In fact, uh, last Wednesday night, my babies come home. My girls came home. Dad, oh, Daddy, it's been this way the last several weeks. Oh, Daddy, God is moving in the youth group. The power of God has been poured out in the youth group. People, I say, how do you know? Oh, people are getting saved. People are getting changed. People are repenting to each other. That's how you know real stuff's happening when you repent and get your heart right. Amen? It's been glorious. And then this past week, I took a prayer walk around the campus, and I, I heard them uh, in the youth building. If you don't know this, but right behind, you may not know this, but right behind us, if you're just now getting here or hadn't been here before, just to the building behind us, it used to be the old uh, cafeteria of, of Tennessee Temple University. And several, uh, before COVID hit, in fact, and COVID messed everything up, but, but it, before COVID hit, we decided we were going to renovate this building because our youth have been outgrowing their buildings. We got them in all these different rooms right now, separated. And so we just made, as a church, one of the greatest investments we've ever made in our history. Over $3 million is what we will have invested in this youth building. And I walked through it this past week. Just praying, and how many help me to really celebrate this? Sheetrock is going up on the walls right now. By fall time, by fall time, we'll have that building done, and our sons and daughters are going to have a place to go where they can grow and gather, and they can become and do it. Yeah, Pastor Josh is really excited about that. And then I thought about the Cleveland campus. I drove up there last week, and it's gutted, and they're getting ready to, in fact, we saw the final plans for the renovation of it, and, uh, and it's about a mile and a half from Lee University where all those sons and daughters are. I just believe God's positioning us, family, to make a difference in this generation. I hope you understand that the church has, it's like a coin. If you've got a coin in your pocket, the coin has two sides. There's maintenance and there's mission. It's got a heads and a tails on every coin in your pocket. If it's an American quarter, an American nickel, a dime, penny, whatever it is, there's a heads and a tails. In the kingdom, there's a coin. And on, on both sides of that coin in the kingdom, one side is mission, one side is maintenance. The church has to maintenance people who are found. You get saved and come to church, your family needs to be connected, need to be involved in ministry. We got to follow up with you, check on you when you're sick, pray for you in the hospital. We visit people. We, we do the maintenance. But the other side of the coin is mission. And in this house, I want to tell you, we're going to get maintenance down. We're going to do it well. We're going to call and check on people, pray for people, visit people. But if the coin has to fall, may it never fall on maintenance. May it always fall on mission. May we always be a church that's not just excited about who's found. May we also be more excited about who's lost getting ready to be found. And can I just declare that God's sending us a harvest in this church? And I believe that God is sending us a harvest in every generation. But, but I don't know about you. I want to see sons and daughters come into the kingdom of God. I want to see God save young ladies and young men, and I want to see God help people avoid the pitfalls and the distractions and the delays of purpose and destiny. Come on, you don't have to live 40 years and go sow wild oats for 40 years before you find Jesus. That's a great testimony that God brought you back after 40 or 50 years of not knowing him, but I think a greater testimony is that since I've been five, he saved me when I was five. I've fallen along the way, but he picked me back up and kept my feet on on a solid rock. 
Hallelujah. Anybody glad that he kept you? And that's what I'm praying. I'm praying for God to give us a harvest in children's church and in Ignite and in Firebrand and, and in Forge. I want these young sons and daughters not to come to church and feel like they don't know how to fit in. I want them to know we're building a family and a fire and all they got to do is get around the fire, gather around the fire, gather with the family, and God's going to reveal purpose and destiny and take them to places that their mind can't believe. How many know God's up to something good in our generation? In fact, you need to change the narrative by listening to a different news network. I got my own net news network. It's called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell me everything is going to be all right and that Jesus conquered it all and that because he lives, they shall live also. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that this earth is going to hell in a handbasket and there is no hope for tomorrow. As long as Jesus is on the throne, there is always hope for our sons and daughters. And I will not pass down a defeated poor mouth mentality and narrative that this world is, is as screwed up and jacked up and there's no hope for it. As long as Jesus is alive, there's hope. And we need to make sure we're, t we're telling the right narrative. And so I've just been, for the last several weeks, I've just been uh, in this place. I've been seeing what God's doing is providing. He's given us resources and opening doors. He's given us opportunities. And so this whole thing about young uh, sons and daughters and even children and, and, and young ladies and young men, it's been in my spirit. I want to say that we need a Samuel generation in the day we're living. We need Samuels right now. And we often think of Samuel in the Bible as a man of transition and rightfully so. He was Israel's final judge, and he was also a prophet who anointed the first two kings of Israel. He's a man in the middle, literally. He's, he's in the process of leading Israel out of judges' leadership and into the kings. Why? Because they're trying now to move out of this nomadic group of people who suffered defeat over and over into the mentality of a kingdom having a king. I recognize that, that, that Israel rushed the process of God by anointing Saul, and their motive and their timing was impure. They wanted a king because the rest of the world's nations had kings. And they didn't want to wait on the king that God had, so they rushed their process, and they selected a king named Saul who looked like he passed the test physically. But can I tell you, God does not choose kings according to how strong they are in the natural. God chooses kings according to the heart. There is a principle here you need to get. God is not looking for the studs. He's not looking for all the, and that's wonderful if you are a stud and you, you're the captain of the football team and you're the captain of the cheerleading squad. We want those people in the kingdom of God. But I came also to talk to some young ladies and some young men today who say they don't have any friends and maybe they're bullied in school and maybe they don't have nobody. that, that they, don't, they don't have a large following on social media and they wonder, can anything good come out of my life? I want to tell you right now, if you love God and down in your heart, you've, you've given your heart as a sacrifice to God, and you're an obedient child of God, and you love God with all your heart, I want to tell you right now, the Lord is getting ready to raise and promote some people you have never heard of before, not because they passed the eye test, but because they passed the heart test. 
David is that king, but before we get to David, Samuel is the transition piece that gets Israel out of judges and into the kingdom. Mm, hear that. I believe God is raising up Samuels because the earth is groaning for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. People are tired of being exposed to even systems in the church. They want the kingdom of God. And in order to move people in the church from a church system mentality to a kingdom mentality, there have to be Samuels who come along with the oil in a horn who know how to release the oil to make the transition. And what I want you to understand today is that God is raising up sons and daughters. Do you understand that wisdom in the kingdom of God is not relegated? It can be and should be, but I have discovered in my life that wisdom is the reward of those who seek God, not simply those who get older. Now, you should get more wisdom, and you will learn some things the older you get. Can I get a witness in this house? But I'm going to tell you right now, I have met old fools and young geniuses. I'm not getting no help right here. So I want you to understand today, everyone in this room has an opportunity to seek the Lord because wisdom is not a thing. Wisdom is a person. If you know Jesus, find Jesus, love Jesus, walk with Jesus, the more you're in his presence, the more you grow in wisdom. And I can talk about knowledge because some people get knowledge, but they don't get wisdom. God wants us to have wisdom and knowledge. And all of you getting get understanding. God wants us to grow. And young people, I want you to understand. Moms and dads, I want you to understand today. I want us all to see that if we're hungry for God and we love God and we pursue God and walk in obedience to God's word, if we will make him the object of our pursuit, we'll begin to grow in wisdom. We'll begin to become everything he called us to be. And we need Samuels. We don't need them down the road. We need them right now because the world is hungry for the kingdom and the church is the only entity on the planet that can bring thy kingdom come. Come on, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need a generation to rise up that is not just married to systems. They want to see the kingdom of God come. I don't know if you know this or not, most of you do, but if you study anything about church sociology and, the, and, the, and all of the things that are happening in the church, the growth models in the church and, and the declines in the church, this is crazy, but, but it's a fact and it is not a hidden fact. It is a very obvious fact. Mainline denominational churches are shrinking. I'm not saying that for any other reason. It's not a jab. I'm not in any way trying to insinuate something. I'm simply telling you this. Devotion to systems is eroding, and people are not following it simply because mom and dad did. They want the real thing. They don't want some reproduced pablum that somebody passed down through the age. They want the fire. They want Jesus. If he's the Jesus of the Bible, then we need to do more than talk about him and sing to him. We need to experience him because many of them are walking away, not because they hate God, but because they can't find him in the system that we are reproducing in our churches. And they come to church because we say, go to church, go to church, go to church. And they came to church looking for God, and they got one fast song, two slow songs, give me your money, three points and a poem, God bless you, see you next Sunday. And they still got depression, they still got yokes, they still got bondages, they still got questions, they still got heaviness, they still got stuff going on, and it seems like nobody's listening. This is a perfect time for a Samuel generation to rise that moves us out of judges, out of systems, out of routines of defeat 
and moves us closer to the heart of God, the kingdom of God. And so I think we're in need of that kind of transition again to the kingdom, a transition where people value the anointing and the, rea- the authentic. My God, I could preach on this one for a while. I'm so sick of the faker and plastic Jesus. Cardboard Jesus. Stand him up here. He don't move. He don't talk. He don't say nothing. He don't touch. We got a cardboard Jesus. Sons and daughters are tired of it. They want a God. See, listen, the world, according to the book of Psalms, the world has created gods who are idols. They have hands. Just like the God we serve, they have a mouth. Just like the God we serve, they have eyes. Their idols have eyes. The difference between that idol and our God is this. They have hands but cannot touch. Eyes but cannot see. Mouths but cannot speak. I want to tell you right now, if we're preaching a God that people cannot find or engage with, they will quickly disconnect from the fraudulent thing we are producing. And some of them are coming to the conclusion as they deconstruct their faith that this isn't real. I want to make a clarion call. The God I am preaching is real. The system you may be stuck in may not be able to find him, but I'm telling you, there's a Samuel generation rising up that knows where he is and they, oh God, I feel like preaching. Samuel arrived at a critical time in Israel's history. He came with a specific purpose. I will have you know that Samuel did not arrive in the brightest time of Israel's history. He came in the darkest time. As we will see from this text in 1 Samuel 1, 2, 3, in fact, the whole first book of Samuel. Samuel was born in an evil time. He served in the temple at a time when the sons of Eli are serving there as well. And if you have time to go read the second, third, and fourth chapter, and I read a little bit of it to you, and it sounds like something out of a Jerry Springer episode. I mean, you got two priests who are the sons of Eli, the high priest, at Shiloh, and they're literally using their authority and their title at the door of the tabernacle to get in bed with women in the church. This is heavy stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, those young men, the Bible said, did not know God. And it is in this context of religious moral plurality You heard what I said. Moral plurality. We do what is right in our own eyes. We don't listen to to people teach us about flea fornication. We don't don't do that anymore. We don't talk about holiness anymore. Why? Because they don't pay the bills. Holiness don't pay the bills. You preach about living right, living for God and loving God, and people say, I'm going down the road. That man skinned me alive. My toes are hurting. He stepped all over my toes. Put some steel toe boots on. Come back next week and take the gospel. We need to live holy lives. We need to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We need to love the Bible more than we love everything else. If you love me, he said, keep my commandments. This is plurality that Samuel is born into. The priests are polluted. The nation is in chaos. You will will understand this. 
Rarely does Satan allow a pure, listen carefully, rarely will Satan allow a pure and dedicated priesthood to prevail in leading the people of God without attempting to pervert the priesthood by injecting a generation of leaders who have carnal desires, selfish agendas, and their content is doctrines of demons. This is Satan's strategy to keep nations in bondage, to pollute spiritual authority, and to deceive the masses into living defeated lives. So when we look at the context in which Samuel was born, we find the priesthood polluted a nation that is spiritually spiraling into a trajectory of tragedy. Man, that was decent. They were in political upheaval. Their social unrest was everywhere, and a general cloud of heaviness rested on the nation. Samuel, I want to announce this, Samuel is coming. God is raising up a Samuel generation. He's raising it up in America and he's raising it up in the nations of the earth. Sometimes we preach this gospel as if it was written for the United States of America. But this is an international Jesus and an international Holy Ghost. And this is an international Bible. And I tell you that in China, they are trying to stamp out and crush the Christian message. But there is a Samuel generation rising up in the underground church of China that is going to break the back of communism. And God is going to see revival pierce that nation. Shout all over the church if you believe it. Samuel's coming. Look at somebody touch them. Tell them Samuel is coming. Uh-huh. I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown because God's got some in his back pocket. If you think Hophni and Phinehas and the devil's plan is bigger than God's plan, you've lost your mind and you have failed to believe this Bible. God is not going to let the devil outdo him. God is not going to allow, allow darkness to be greater than the light. God is not going to allow more false prophets, more authority, and more influence and more blessing than true prophets and men and women of God who have the word of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not panicking. I'm waiting. Samuel's coming. God's raising up a generation of young men and young ladies that are not going to sit in the back and they're not going to watch this craziness and hate and malice and lust and, and perversion take the church. They're going to rise up. Somebody said, well, I'm so scared for this young generation. I'm telling you what, I was, I, I, I'm scared for the older generation sometimes because I wonder how did we get here? We didn't like that. But the reality of it is we have a generational responsibility in the church to make sure that the Samuel generation has a platform from which to leap. And sometimes I think we were more interested in cramming them in some room somewhere and saying, I'm going to get a whole lot of people mad at me right now. Woo, Jesus, help, help me, Lord. But this is why we bring children into church sometimes. And people always, without fail, and, and I want you to understand something. I got some kids, a bunch of them. I'm finna have another one. So when I say what I'm getting ready to say, I am well, I am well authorized to say what I'm getting ready to say because we have people, when we let kids come in, well, I ain't coming to church on Sunday night because you don't have no child care. It's intentional. Why? Because sometimes kids need to come out of a room and get an altar and see the power of God fall on mom and dad. Where is the church?
When I was raising up in church, we didn't even have children's church. My mama put me in a suit on Sunday morning and pajamas on Sunday night. That's a true story. I come in with a towel at five years old, looking like a deacon in the house of the Lord. And then on Sunday night, she put some pajamas on. Why? Because I wasn't leaving simply because I had school the next day. I slept under the front pew of that church more times than I could count on my hand. They picked me up, put me in the car, take me to the house, lay me in the bed. I got up saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost on Monday morning. Everything's going to be all right. Samuel's coming. Look at somebody tell them Samuel's coming. So if Samuel is going to arise, if Samuel is going to show up, we must understand that we have a responsibility, moms and dads, to bring them into their purpose. Briefly, before I talk about Samuel, let me just quickly address spiritual and biological mothers and fathers in this house because Samuel doesn't get here by himself. Samuel doesn't even get here easily. Samuel is the product of prayer, travail, and warfare. Some of this may sound foreign and even deep to us, but Samuel is going to change history. And if the Bible teaches us anything, it is that Satan always resists those who are destined to make a difference in history. History makers are attacked. History makers are resisted. History makers are opposed. There is a war going on for every generation. And in our generation, Satan is pulling out weapons of mass distraction, weapons of mass destruction, and every tool of temptation he can find to keep this generation of Samuels from coming into their purpose. But I came to tell the devil, Samuel is coming. Samuel is coming, and God is going to raise up a Samuel generation. Now, let me give you four quick things, moms and dads, that we are responsible for as it relates to allowing Samuel to come. First of all, we have to birth him. Generation who was not satisfied till they see sons and daughters who served the Lord and served the purposes of God. Elkanah had children, but he did not have a child that was born for the purpose of God. Hannah was not just believing for a child. Hannah was believing for a child of purpose that would become the answer to the spiritual undoing of her day. God, I wish I had some help in here. Verse 6 says that Samuel's womb, uh, pardon me, Hannah's womb was closed. I don't have time to preach this like I wish I had time to preach it, but I'm going to tell you this right now. This is how crazy and chaotic and messed up it was. You have Elkanah, who was the son of the priest. The Bible said he had two wives. That's how messed up the priesthood had become. He has two wives. One's name is Peninnah, one's name is Hannah. Peninnah got children running around everywhere. Hannah can't find a child, can't have a child because her womb is closed. This is not an arbitrary inability to have a child. The Bible is clear and the Hebrew enforces it. Hannah's womb was closed. Like that door back there has to have someone close it. Why am I saying this? Because if it was closed, that means it can also, I wish I found some church people to help me here. If it was closed, it meant that it could also be open. Let me teach right here for a moment. God could have opened the womb of Hannah without her travail, but Hannah would have missed the opportunity to have intimacy with God. 
Oh, I felt that in prayer this week, and I'm going to rewind and say it again. God could have opened Hannah's womb without her travail, but Hannah would have missed the intimacy she found with God. Can somebody in here be real and be reminded of a time in your life where you had to press through some pain and you had to weep through some bitterness and you had to overcome some feelings, and now that you look back on that season God brought you through, you don't despise that season because when you look back you felt a little bit closer to God then then oh come on somebody it was the pain that made me productive it was the tears that caused me to triumph and there's somebody in here today travailing over your sons and daughters and the devil told you something must be wrong with you it ain't easy for you I tell you anything that changes history will not come easy but it will be worth it slap somebody tell them travail 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 the Bible said in Isaiah 66 that when mothers and fathers travail children are produced in Zion we have lost the prayer of travail we have lost the prayer of travail the Lord spoke to me several years ago and he said to me your quiet time is too quiet you know me in my quiet time Lord thank you somebody singing a song for me a few tears thank you Father amen bless my day God said it's too quiet he, now, this ain't you. This is to me. He said, where is your travail? When you start travailing, you have to get all by yourself. No, no, that's all. All by myself. I don't need no guests when it's time to pray and travail. Do you understand something? The enemy is fighting of Samuel generation because of what he knows they can become. I could go through story after story in this church, in my own family, in Devin and I's own marriage. I could go through story after story of how the enemy fights your children. Why does he fight your children and your young ladies and your young men? I'll tell you why. Because if they ever come into identity, If they ever get, if it ever clicks up here, the devil is in trouble down here. I want you to understand right now, we, we got to travail because Samuel doesn't get here on his own. Uh -huh. See, some of y'all are going to have kids and some of y'all already have them. And if you already have them, they are being birthed into a purpose. But they do not step into that purpose without some warfare and without some travail. I want my kids to change the world. I want your kids to change the world too. But there's a big bad wolf named the devil who wants your children to be another statistic and we rise up as a, as a house of mothers and fathers to tell the devil the Satan the blood of Jesus is against you you will not have our children they will not become a statistic they will not become a has been a should have been a could have been a gonna be or a wanna be my children and your children are gonna walk down the hallways of their middle school elementary school and high school their college campuses I'm telling you right now I believe that our sons and daughters will inherit the earth everywhere the sole of their feet touches it belongs to the kingdom of God fire it up she birthed him not only did she birth him she developed him the Bible said in the first chapter the second the 22nd verse she refused to re don't miss this she refused to release him to the temple until she was through weaning him. Be careful that you don't push your Samuel 
into his purpose prematurely. She developed him. It takes some time to wean a child. And when you're weaning a child, you're not feeding the child gravy and steak. Unless y'all got some of them kids that need some biscuits and gravy at three months old. Most of our children, most of our children, most of our children eat milk. It's exactly what Paul said, that as young sons and daughters of God, we are on the milk of the word. And there comes a time when we transition to the meat of the word. Watch. The Bible says she, she did not let him go to the temple until she weaned him, which means he was ready to break away from the nutrients his mother was giving him and able to feed himself. If you push your children into their destiny prematurely, you set them up for destruction because they cannot properly feed themselves. You still have something they need. And I see parents do this all the time. They rush their kid. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Do this, do this, do this. Sometimes they just need to be a kid. You're trying to make Johnny nine years old an apostle. He don't even know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John yet. But that ain't just happening in the church. That's happening in sports. Can't even have fun at a t-ball game no more. Got grown men swinging bats at each other, hitting each other with bats because they're arguing over an eight-year-old trying to hit a ball off a tee. What's wrong with us? I tell you what's wrong. We're pushing kids, and we got this pressure to make them become something that they're not ready to be yet. Let's just let them be kids and have a good time. It's okay. I still have to go to Disney World. I still got a kid in me. We, we, sometimes we just, need, we just need to keep the kids until they're ready to be released. Develop them. There's something sweet and powerful about developing. Number three, she clothed him. I got to hurry. She clothed him. Everybody say she clothed him. So she birthed him through travail, and then he came forth, and then she developed him, and she did not push him into his destiny prematurely, but she weaned him. Number three, she clothed him. First Samuel 2, 18 and 19. I love this. It says she made him a little robe. She knew that there was too much pollution in Eli to allow him to clothe her son. So she made his garment for him. Be careful what system you allow to dress your children. I said a thing right there. Be careful what system you allow to dress your children. Your children deserve the finest spiritual clothing that they can wear. So mothers, fathers in the faith, you clothe your children. I, I want this house to be able to undergird and support and strengthen families who are trying to raise godly families. That's what our call is as a house of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, at the very end of the day, the responsibility of developing and clothing children primarily rests upon mom and dad. And because of that, let me say something to this because we talked about this Friday night when Pastor Justin had our United We Stand conference, which by the way was powerful. He said, he made comments and he, he quoted stats about fatherlessness and the absence of fathers in homes. It is absolutely devastating. It is a reality that you cannot 
uh, deny that in a home where there is a father who is present, the sons and the daughters in that house have a greater likelihood of becoming a, a person who finds their purpose and destiny and doesn't waste their life. Hear me, young men. Don't be sperm donors. Be dads. Be protectors, be providers, be dads, be present, be there for the t-ball game, be there for the cheerleading out, be there when you can. I, I, I'm encouraging us today that we need to make sure that Samuel doesn't disconnect from his calling simply because fathers aren't present to be, to be there to help them become everything God has called them to be. Finally, she released him. I just warned you a moment ago about pushing your child into his destiny prematurely, so let me balance that by saying if you hold on to your child too long, you will stunt their growth. After she weaned him, it was time to release him. I know some parents that love their kids so much they try to be the God of their kids. But there are some things our sons and daughters will not learn until we release them to God to teach them. I don't know about anybody else, but how many of y'all got kid, teenagers who drive? Anybody else like me, you haunt them? <laughs> when my kids started driving, I get up in the morning and travel behind them to school just to see their driving habits. <laughs> Isaiah, you know, he up here cruising and swaying. I call him, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just driving, Dad. What do you mean, what am I doing? No, why are you in the middle lane? Why, why are you in between two lanes? Are you reading your phone? Do I need to take your phone away? Dad, where are you? What is going on? Are you looking at me from a camera? Are you harassing me? What is going on? No, I'm on your tail right now. I'm trying to let you have some release and some liberty, but you better be a good steward of it or you'll be getting an Uber to school every morning. Tell somebody, say, release your kids. Release Samuels. Listen, you got to develop them, you got to clothe them, but there comes a time you got to release them. And you got to release them to God so that God can finish the, the process you started. There are some things they will not learn until they get under the oversight of God. He trusts you to birth. He trusts you to develop. He trusts you to clothe. But when you release them, you got to trust him. To make them become, I promise you this, God wants them to become more than you ever wanted them to become. So you got to release them. And so she releases him to the house of the Lord. I can't, we do this every time we dedicate babies. I cannot imagine this. Taking my five, six-year-old son to the temple and saying, I'll come back and see you soon, son. But I'm giving you to God. We think about that and we think that's crazy. And it is in the natural, but if we don't do that in the spirit, we set our kids up for destruction. Please hear me, do not allow church to become just another compartment of their lives. <sighs> in our day and time, church has just become another thing. God has just become another person. But your kids have a purpose that they will not discover until their life is completely given and dedicated to the Lord. And when you give your life and dedicate it to the Lord, he'll use it in the most amazing ways. Some of them will be preachers. Some of them will be lawyers. Some of them will be CEOs. Some of them will be doctors. Some of them will be inventors. 
Some of them will cure cancer. Some of them will end racism in their city. I want you to understand the power of releasing seed to God. And if you hold on to seed and don't sow it in the right season, you will forfeit the harvest. Your kids have a purpose. Your sons and daughters have a purpose. You fought to birth them. You worked to wean them and develop them. You committed to clothing them. And now you release them. And Samuel goes to the house of the Lord and Hannah's all right with it. She didn't grudgingly take him to the house of the Lord. She said, come on, baby. We've been waiting on this all our life. And she took him to the house of the Lord. And she put him in the house of the Lord, surrounded by darkness. How much do you trust God right now? Why would she put her son in an environment surrounded by Hophni and Phinehas and Eli? Eli was blind and didn't even hardly know the voice of God, and his two sons were reprobates. Why would Hannah take him to the house of God and drop him off in that kind of context? I'm going to tell you why. Because she trusted what she put inside of him. I can shut up and go sit down right there and be done with this sermon. Do you trust the seed you put in your babies? Because I want to declare to you that the God in them is greater than the darkness in the world. Come on, mom and dad. I know it's a wicked world. I know there's evil all around us. I know there are problems going on, but trust the blood. Trust the grace of God. Trust the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust the truth of God's word. Don't abandon God. Don't stop believing simply because this world is, is, is seemingly out of control. I declare to you that the seed you sown inside your children will cause them to be strong enough to bear up under the pressure, the spiritual, political, social pressure, the peer pressure. Listen, I, there's a there is a time to make sure they got it, but there is a time to trust the God that you sowed into their heart and believe that God will finish. Did the Bible not say lead a child in the way he should go and when they are old they will not depart from it. It doesn't mean they won't lose their way sometimes. It means at the end of the day the GPS system you put in them will get them back into the place of purpose and destiny. I'm closing right here. Here's what the Bible said. Three times in one and a half chapters it said this. Samuel grew she planted him in a place, darkness all around, and Samuel grew. Your children are going to grow in the most challenging environments. I declare that over you. They're going to grow in their purpose. In fact, that word grew in the Hebrew, it literally means to become great. It's the same word used of Abraham in Genesis 6 when it said, Abraham, when God told Abraham, Abraham, you will wax great and become great. That's what the word means, grew. That's what, that's what Samuel was doing. He was growing and becoming great. And his environment wasn't great, but it couldn't stop the greatness on the inside of him. I wish somebody would catch what I'm saying today. No, our children will not be run over by culture. No, our children will not become another statistic. Grab it, mom and dad. Believe in the promise of God. Our sons and daughters won't die. Our sons and daughters, I don't believe they're going to have to die prematurely. 
I believe they're going to prophesy. Sons and daughters are going to step to the plate in our day. They're going to be what God called them to be. We're going to birth them. We're going to develop them. We're going to clothe them, and we're going to release them, and we're going to watch God let them grow. They're going to become great. Now watch this. The Bible said that he ministered unto the Lord. This thing tore me up all week long. Ministered unto the Lord. Samuel didn't go to the temple to minister unto Eli. He went to the temple to minister to God. What does that even look like? Ministering to God is different than ministering to people. Ministering to people will sometimes cause you to want to lose your mind. You minister to people and they look at you. You, you, let, you take them to dinner and they, they still lie on you. you. You treat them kind and they're still mean to you. You pray for them and they still talk about you. God ain't like that. You minister to God, you'll never regret it. Samuel didn't come in and say, Eli, how can I serve you? Samuel said, Father God, how can I serve you? And as he served the Lord, he grew in the house of the Lord. He grew in the house of the Lord. He became great. The Bible said he grew in favor. Can I release this over your children? Your children are going to grow in favor. And the Bible says with God and with man. Help me preach somebody. I want to release just a prophetic word over your children right now. And I wish somebody would grab it for your babies. Your babies are going to grow in favor with God and with man. And both are necessary for their future. Because God in heaven will promote them. But man and woman on earth will look at them and decide in their mind. Because their mind has been touched by the goodness of God. That they're going to choose your children. And they're going to elevate your children. Grab it mama. Grab it daddy. God's going to bless your children children. He's going to give your children a name. They're going to grow into it. They're going to become everything God called them to be. The Bible said that he grew in favor with God and with man. This last one over in the third chapter. I believe it was verse 19, Chad. If you could put that one back up. 1 Samuel 3, 19. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And not one of his words fell to the ground. Man, that's a powerful statement. He became so such a man of integrity that God honored his integrity by giving him prophetic accuracy. I want you to hear me today, sons and daughters. I want you to hear me today, young ladies and young men. Samuels, listen to me. Don't trade your integrity in for anything. Don't cash your integrity in for a one-night stand. Don't cash your integrity in and can't lose your integrity simply because it'll give you the opportunity to run with the crowd everybody wants to be with. Don't do it. Because if you'll keep your integrity, God's going to give you an accuracy, a prophetic accuracy. You're going to have doors that open that people are not going to be able to understand or explain. If you'll just walk in integrity, if you'll serve the Lord, if you'll, if you'll keep the fire burning on the altar, I promise you, you won't regret it. There's a whole generation that is that that right now they their 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 tears are tears of regret because they they cash their integrity in for one night stand for whatever it was. And I'm thankful for mercy and grace, and God will forgive, and you can recover. But don't waste time. Don't delay the process. You're not the church of 20 years down the road. You're the church of right now. As we step into this. I mean, I know this morning we got some family here from, from Winterfest. I know that there'll be some people here. I know there are 1,500 that are coming in two weeks for wild ones. My message to this generation is it's worth it. Don't sell out. That's what the name of this is. Don't sell out because God is worth it. 
Don't cash in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say, you know what, I'm not going to grow anymore. No, you're growing. You're growing. You're becoming great. You're becoming who God called you to be. Where are college people at? Don't, don't go to some university and let some liberal in, in, liberally informed theologian tell you God is a woman and God is this and God is not real. Don't do it. Don't, do, don't cash in. Don't, don't bow to that stuff. You keep praying, you keep living right, you keep praising, you keep weeping, you keep dancing, you keep fasting, keep reading your Bible. Somebody said something, you just made somebody mad. I hope they hear it and I hope they write me. I got something to say back to them. I'm telling you right now, we are turning our warriors into wimps and we are training our sons, we are turning our sons and daughters and just throwing them to the wolves and I'm over it. I'm over it. The B.I.B.L.E. is still the book for me. I want the power of the Holy Ghost in my babies. I want the fire of God burning in my children. Just stand up, I'm through. I want, I, this is real. I remember being at Lee University as a 17-year-old boy. I was in Hughes Hall. I was in room 112. Right next to me, there was an empty vacant room because a young man came to school and he left. So the room opened up and I went to the RD. I said, can I have a key to that room? He said, why do you want it, Kevin? I said, I need a place to pray. And I'd go in that room and I'd get in that closet and I'd pray, cry out to God and I'd wonder, is anything happening? Is anything happening? Is God doing anything in my life? I wasn't raised in a preacher's house. I didn't know a bunch of people. I wasn't even raised in the church of God. I, I, I was raised in a little country holiness church with 70 people. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. But I didn't know anybody. I tell you this right now. You don't have to know anybody. God will hook you up with everybody you need for you to become everything he called you to be. The most important thing you can do is get before him and serve him. The most important thing you can do is keep the fire burning in your heart. The most important thing you can do is cry out for more of God. Teach your children that. Teach your children that. We was down here worshiping this morning and I got Genesis. And you know, I'm just holding her and doing what I do and hallelujah. Every time I do it. About four or five weeks ago, I said, hallelujah, and I shot my hand up, and she looked at me and went. This is a true story. We had guests come over this weekend. We're sitting in the living room. They walked in. Somebody said, hallelujah, not even playing. They weren't even being real. They were just being funny. They said, hallelujah, and she went. Train a child. You hear what I said? Train a child. Oh, that's brainwashing. No, brainwashing is when you go sit in a liberal arts why? A liberal arts class and let somebody talk you out of everything your granny and your grandpa taught you and they try to deconstruct your faith. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay in love with Jesus. My God, I feel this. Stay in love with him. Anybody testify he's real? So you came too late for me. And my prayer is you come too late for our sons and daughters. Because I, I believe a Samuel generation is coming. 
that's going to turn our generation upside down. And there won't be a cold bath or a cold blanket big enough to blow their fire out. They're going to burn. Pastor Josh, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Nathan, Jess, I am praying that at Wild Ones this year, 1,500 kids become a torch in the hand of God that blazes in holy fire. So what do we pray for? Well, the first thing we're gonna do is pray for people who wanna give their heart to Jesus. Maybe there's some young man, some young lady in here. You say, Pastor Kevin, I need to give my heart to Christ. I want him to be, I want to be everything he's called me to be, and I don't want to waste another day. Maybe you're a mom or a dad who needs to give your life to Christ. And we're about to give you that opportunity. I just want to tell you this before we pray. I don't care what you've done, how messed up you feel, how far away from God you think you are. I want you to know this. Jesus came to save the rankest, vilest sinner you can imagine, and you are not that person. Heads by and eyes closed. Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm in need of a Savior. Would you pray for me today? Young, old, rich, poor, red, yellow, black, white, male, female, it doesn't matter. At the cross, there's room for everyone. If I'm talking to you and you need to give your life to Jesus, when I say three, slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get saved. One, two, three, right now. Yeah, God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you, young man. God bless you back there. I see those hands. You can put them down. Everybody look at me right now. Here's what I want you to do. Maybe you've never known God, or maybe you've known him and you've walked away. If you want to make sure your life is in his hands today, I want you to look at your neighbor in just a moment, and I want you to ask the person on your left and right this question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, when they ask you that question, would you just nod yes? I'm going to stand right here and wait on you. And I'm going to open this altar for you to come and give your heart to Christ right now. Ask your neighbor, both sides, do you need someone to go pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, would you just come stand with me today? Anybody at all? And then I'm going to pray for Samuels. And then we're going to go. Anybody at all? I don't, I, wonderful. Anybody? Okay, well, we don't come confiscate you. We don't scare you. We love you. But we should praise the Lord that everyone in the house is right. Amen. Amen. How many, how many would take two minutes and pray with me for Samuel, the Samuel generation right now? If you feel comfortable, take your neighbor by the hand. I want to pray together right now. Holy Jesus, I am praying right now for young ladies and young men in our church. They are not perfect. They have so many things battling them. They have enemies. They have temptations. They have threats. We know the enemy doesn't like them, and we know that hell would do anything it could to stop them. I need moms and dads to turn it up a little bit and travail for a moment here. But, Lord, today we're praying that you'll raise Samuels up out of this generation. I am believing you, God, for young ladies and young men who will change history, who will shape their generation. They will turn souls and turn lives toward Christ.
I bless sons and daughters in this house not to have to wait till they're 30 to find God. But may this place be a place where they discover the goodness of God and the glory of God, even at an early age, Lord. May their testimony be one of God keeping me. Let us be a place that hides Samuels in the house of the Lord. We'll, we'll just hide them right here, God. We know that they're going to be released into other cities and other callings and other places. But while we have them, oh God, come on, pray mamas, pray daddies, pray young lady, pray young man. While we have them, may the fire burn down deep, Lord. I pray you'll just stamp their heart like a firebrand. I pray you'll ignite something deep on the inside of them. Oh, would you pray right now in the Holy Ghost with me if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh, God, would you please touch our sons and daughters? God, would you give them a defense? Can we please, Lord God, have a, a truth, a truth inside of us that we pass on to them that becomes a defense against the enculturation of this culture? Instead of culture imposing itself on us, oh, God, would you help us to be countercultural? Would you help us, oh, God, to see us? Young ladies and young men who keep their integrity, who do not lose their integrity. Let them grow up. Let them become. Here's what I hear the Holy Spirit whispering to me. He said, I want you to pray right now that the enemy doesn't sabotage their purpose and that they don't lose it prematurely. Come on. Father, we pray right now that they will grow up that they will not have stunted growth, that they will become everything that you've called them to be. In all of their greatness, may they give glory to God. I thank you for them. I thank you for the athletes in our church, for all the softball players and the basketball players, for the football players and the baseball players and the wrestlers. I thank you for the musicians. I thank you for those that are valedictorians in their class. Lord, I thank you for those sons and daughters that feel like they don't have a friend. I pray they'd just get closer and closer to you and you'd use their life to blow everybody's mind around them. Uh, I bless our athletes to excel. Give them D1 scholarships. Come on, catch it. God, I pray for Major League Baseball contracts, NFL contracts, NBA contracts. Some of y'all ain't spiritual enough for this, but I'm telling you right now, if the devil can raise up people who show the world what hell looks like, God can raise up athletes that show the world what the kingdom looks like. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it. Raise up inventors and millionaires and billionaires out of this house. Holy Spirit, for the glory of God, I pray. And raise up hardworking men and women that raise good families that are faithful to the call of God, faithful to the vision of their church. They just work hard, pay their tithes, love God, love their wife, love their children, and they see great things happen in their families. Their grandkids rise up and are blessed. I just bless our families today. And Lord, I close by praying for our every project you've called us to right now. I thank you for the resources you've given that have brought us to this point, but you know the needs. I thank you for touching hearts and people in this house that are going to be part of sowing into the next generation. 
and we're not going to have a dime of lack. I said it, and I mean it in Jesus' name. We're not going to have a dime of lack. We're going to be able to do everything God has called us to do and have leftovers. Somebody say amen. So, Father, we call it done. We thank you for your blessing. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, this house would continue to be a steward of everything, a good steward of everything you've given us. Multiply all our hands around in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you've watched this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow, I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today this word, I pray, has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I want to take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's going to meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family, for those of you who are watching today. Let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility. There's no problem too hard for you to solve. There's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.